Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. <laughs> you know, we always... <laughs> I always try to start off our happy hour podcast with some happy news. Not so much. But this week is a bit of a struggle, I would say, to put it lightly. Is it it like a struggle session? Are we going to have a struggle session here? (laughs) Like like all the other people around America? (sighs) Wow. So who would have thought... You know, there's this funny, uh, I don't know if you've seen this tweet going around, but there's this funny tweet of a picture of Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Jim Clyburn, and others with their masks on and with the African scarf around their necks. And somebody tweeted out, someone shows you this picture in 2019. What do you say? Yeah, that's a good, that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Like, how did we get here? If someone would have showed you that in February, I know. you wouldn't have been able to figure it out. Well, everything's escalated so quickly. You know, um, we've we've watched. We're we're the same age, <clears throat> so we've kind of watched as as our culture has slid into more and more leftism. You know, over the course of our life, and now I feel like in six months it's like three generations of social change have just happened. Right. I mean, I, I feel like my, the similarity I had with my parents generation is much, is, is much closer than what the, the similarity I have with whatever gen, what's the generation after us? Gen Z or Gen Z. No, after us is millennials, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I don't, I, I mean, not even close. So it's, there's been such an acceleration of a social, of a social change. Um, and I, I, I think that can be put on the internet. The internet has really facilitated the, this, cha- the ability to make these changes so quickly. Um, what do you think? I mean, I totally agree, and we can get into this a little bit. I think uh, the internet, but by far social media, because the shaming that goes on, I mean, I've seen this with my own daughter, my college daughter, who refuses to capitulate to this mob, refused to post certain things, and was outed by her quote-unquote friends um, for not participating. Um, And so I think social media has just taken it up to such a level that we now see this rapid decline in our culture and uh, our security and our histories being dismantled before our eyes. And it's pretty astonishing to think that we got here versus where we were even three or four months ago. But it was inevitable, right, Liz? I mean, we've been talking about this. People who think that this country has not been in some sort of percolating civil war, especially over the last few years, are fooling themselves. Well, so, what we're see what we're seeing now is the culmination of two two to three decades of indoctrination in mm-hmm. by our major institutions in the U.S specifically the education system and also the entertainment industry. These are the two most influential um, parts of our culture outside of your family. And so um, 
when you are taught, you're not taught about the actual history of the United States. You are taught a very selected and biased history of the United States. Then you don't think it's a big deal to just start tearing down statues, some of which have nothing to do with your alleged grievance. Right. They're just tearing <laughs> shit down. It has nothing to do. They tear, they tore down monuments to co- black black soldiers who fought the Confederacy. I'm sorry. What? So th- what we're seeing now is the culmination of two to three or four decades of a slow infiltration of our institutions. And now we have generation, at least one generation. And they're they're. Um, you know, ringmasters who are the mm-hmm. white liberal elite that, you know, st- of the children of the 60s that are now in the institutions and running them themselves that have brought us to this place where there's no respect for property. There's no respect for human life. There's no understanding of the principles that our country was founded on. Uh, and so mm-hmm. now here we are, you know, we're we're going to have a race war, apparently. Um you know, I don't know how many people outside the elite bubble are will, going to get on their knees, right? Unless you are already on that side and you are virtue signaling, which is uh, happening on constantly. But, mm-hmm. you know, normal people, if someone comes up to them and says, you need to get on your knee, you have to take a knee for me because you, I don't know, because whatever. And they're going to be like, bugger off. So I don't I don't see how this is going to end well. But those are my thoughts. You know, this is the this is the product of a massive social program that the people and I blame the right. I blame the right because they let this happen and they have been warned over and over again through the years. And they were too busy to fight back, fight for institutions, oppose the changes in our educational in our education system. And so here we are. You are spot on. And I think that that's the frustration that a lot of people, close observers to the political scene like you and I are, is there's more. I have more fury towards the right and the old right um, than I even have from the left. The left is who the left is. They never pretend to be something that they're not. I mean, there was this. And I think there was a moment this week, Commentary Magazine, I think it was Noah Rothman, who's the Never Trumper. And he is a contributor to MSNBC, and he is, you know, one of their token, allegedly conservatives. He wrote an article this week, not to take really literally what the left is saying about defunding the police department or the Green New Deal or any of their crazy lunatic agenda. Take it seriously, but not literally. That is the mindset that has gotten us where exactly. we are, right? Well, it's an excuse, right? It's an excuse. It, it it absolves the left for bearing the responsibility of owning their crazy ideas by saying, well, they don't really mean defund the police. No, guess what? Go watch some footage of the protest. They mean defunding the police, period. And not defunding them. They're, they want to criminalize the police. Yeah. That's right. I mean, defunding, you would be, they could get away with. 
They want to turn these police officers into criminals and prosecute them. That is another part of their agenda. So for someone like Noah Rothman or anyone, and we talk a little bit about this appalling National Review column that was posted that Ace wrote about uh, on his website today. Um, this is the capitulation. This is the knee taking, whether it's physical or it's rhetorical. Um that the right has continued to do and is doing it again. Mitt Romney out, Black oh, Lives Matter. I mean, awful. You know what? He, he was a racist, like not that long ago. Remember, a minute ago, he, was a, mm-hmm. he killed someone, right, with cancer. He <laughs> put his dog on the top oh, of his car. Binders full of women. This guy is a despicable human being. He mm-hmm. is always first in line to to kneecap his his fellow republicans he doesn't understand and it's like obviously so desperate it's like please eat me last eat me last they're coming they're gonna come for him they're just he's just hoping it's not in the first round that's what he's doing it's like a hostage right that's exactly right um, but uh, Republicans across the spectrum have been doing that this week. We've seen this kind of facile uh, appease, appeasement from people like Kevin McCarthy, Marco Rubio, uh, Lamar Alexander, who who knew, like, who exhumed that guy out of the I political know. graveyard? I forgot he was. <laughs> did you did you think he was Senate. like, oh, he died years ago? Wait, no, he didn't. He's still there. You know, like when you see the celebrity obituaries and you're like, oh, my God, I thought that person died like two decades ago. Um, So they're standing up one by one, taking the knee, you know, honoring George Floyd's life uh, and making the police everywhere bad guys, uh, except for this one incident, which now we're learning more about that, too. Um, that they had a personal relationship or a personal hostility. So it wasn't a random act of police brutality between George Floyd and the, and the cop who's been charged. But um, I mean, this is really a low moment. And Liz, I, I totally disagree with the people who say Trump is going to win in a landslide. These, the left and never Trump, right? They are not playing by the rules. They have already broken every law, every custom, every norm, as they like to say, in their campaign to destroy Donald Trump. What makes what makes anybody think that these elections are going to be legit? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I want I was just thinking about this this morning. I saw that the Lincoln crew or whatever the group is that is running ads against Trump. Lincoln Project. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, the uh, Lincoln Conclave, I don't know their stupid name. Um, <laughs> they, they're running these ads and I've seen their sort of premier members on MSNBC, CNN, just, they're very, very active on Twitter. Um, and then I'm thinking these people used to be on the right. Have you ever seen them launch such things when they were on the right against the Democrats? No. Remember, no. I mean, what? look at that ad. I saw their ad, their anti-Never Trump ad. I, it was on Twitter. I think it's running on, they're running stuff on Fox too. And I'm thinking, that's amazing that you would run something. And their their ad is powerful. Um, I think it's a, a good ad as far as, you know, advertisements that are meant to move people. 
But why didn't they ever do that against Obama when they were on the right? Why didn't they ever do that in any other situation where the Republicans were were in opposition to the Democrats or to the left? It's just it's just interesting, you know, to note that they do know how to fight. They just don't know how to fight for the right, which is interest, which is you know its own show, I think. Or you wrote a book on that. So <laughs> I did. I did. Let's hope that um, by the time it's actually released next month that Trump is still in office. I know. They haven't run him out of there. Um, but Liz, to your point, I was watching, I was torturing myself watching the Republican, quasi putative Republican led Senate Judiciary Committee hearing today on finally, three years later, subpoenas for. Um, the Obamagate conspirators, the crowd, Comey, Brennan, Clapper, Susan Rice, etc. Um, so that was delayed last week. They finally uh, had a vote on a resolution. Lindsey Graham, for some odd reason, refused to do subpoena by subpoena, which, of course, would be the preferred way to push this through. So it's this kind of weak, toothless resolution. Uh, and now it'll all just go away. But, Liz, there was a point, and I'm going to clip this later and post it on Twitter, of Charles Grassley, who ran the Senate Judiciary Committee before uh, Graham did the first two years of the Trump presidency. He goes through an entire list of ways that Senate Republicans accommodated Democrats in uh, 2017, 2018, 2019, protected the Mueller probe, um, issued, wanted to supported a subpoena against Paul Manafort, uh, looked, investigated the Trump Tower meeting, which included the president's son, investigated Jared Kushner. Char Chuck Grassley went through this whole list. Now, the idea was to present to the Democrats, well, look how accommodating, how we've bent over backwards or however they bent over to capitulate to the Democrats. And gee, now we want our turn and you guys aren't playing along. It was the most pathetic display. It, it did not achieve the goal that Grassley wanted, which was tr try to persuade Cory Booker and Kamala Harris and Dick Durbin to go along with these subpoenas into the Obama administration. It was a full out vetting of how Republicans not just mishandled this. Many have argued played along with the Democrats the whole time. And now here we are. A few months away from Election Day, they've dragged this out to the bitter end. Nothing is going to happen. And they helped the Democrats try to sabotage and destroy oh, Trump's presidency absolutely. and his family. You didn't it's the hear only way you can look at it. Yeah. You didn't hear a peep from any of these people until the real men had done heavy lifting and made it a little bit more safe for them to come out and pretend that they're going to take action. Uh, and let's say who those, who, who were the, the, what were there two men? I no, mean, I know Sydney Powell. One. It was Sydney Powell. It was a woman. Oh, I was thinking, I was, <laughs> what's the old line about, um, was it Margaret Thatcher or Jean Kirkpatrick? Sydney Powell's the only man in the room. Um, but well, I was thinking more like Devin Nunes and Jim well, Jordan. Yes. Keep, yeah. Those but two were so. Three. But even Devin Nunez, what Devin Nunez managed to get done wasn't enough for them, you know, that they had to they were involved in helping sideline him. That's so right. not only did they stop the good ones from, um, you know, doing what they had to do to get to the bottom of this, 
they really only came out when the right, the base of the right was getting more and more outraged, the more information that came out, that it was conceivably safer for them to come out and appear like they were taking a tough, no-nonsense stand. But when we needed them to be courageous, they certainly weren't. And you can just compare this to the way the, the left is. When yesterday, Mitch McConnell put a resolution on the floor that would den- that would oppose any attempt to defund the police. And Chuck Schumer stopped it. Now, nobody wants the police defunded. The numbers are like 90% don't defund the police. This is in no way a controversial proposition at all. And yet Chuck Schumer put his foot down. He he didn't care. <clears throat> care. We don't have the same thing on our on with our people. And I don't know what it's going to take to change that. I think it's too late. <laughs> But you know, right. I hate that. I'm like, look, it's I over. Know. You just right. get safe, you know, and I don't know, yep. buy ammunition. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> you know, I just anecdotally, um, my flower guy just stopped by. We do. Anyway, he's a small business owner in my suburb and uh, he's he's really right wing. But he he's terrified um, about. And he's already been targeted for a number for some other reasons. His wife is a, a local uh, township official anyway. Um, but he's hardcore MAGA. But uh, he's terrified about what's coming. You know, he's like, I don't even feel safe. There's a Black Lives Matter rally now scheduled in my suburb Friday afternoon. Why? I, I don't know. But they're allowing that on a major intersection in our suburb. Um, and he's like, I'm terrified, uh, you know. All we can do is buy guns, he said, but there's like a three-hour wait now for the local gun store for ammo. Even if they have it. I've heard a lot of places are out. That's Yes, that's right. He did say that. He said there's ammo is out. Um, Is that a good sign, Liz? I mean, so is that a sign that people are like, oh, yeah, I support Black Lives Matter, you know, while they're standing in the ammo line? or I think there's two... Things that are happening simultaneously. One is the social pressure to, if you are in any way active on social media or you make a living on social media or even in a social setting, people are not going to say an, an opinion that they are worried might not you know, well, might ruin their lives, get them killed or destroy them professionally. So mm-hmm. I find that I've found this in polling where it's called uh, confirmation bias, where people will not admit they will not say things that they think they're embarrassed, even though they don't know the person on the phone asking questions. It's not called confirmation bias. It's called something else, but can't remember right now because I'm old. Um, oh, but I know. People, I know. Yeah. You're talking but you about. know what I'm saying? I'm saying people. So you have people that, you know, that are maybe afraid <clears throat> to say, just fuck these people. They're crazy. Um, so they'll parrot along. They'll feel forced in social media, especially if their business is related to it, that they'll put on a show, make make the things. But in private, they're like, I need a gun. I need to take I need to take care of myself. And it's very easy for people who are in safe places where there's not going to be a protest, which could very well turn into a violent riot. Um 
And when they do come is when people do start to get nervous. So um, I think it's a good sign for more and more people to realize that this stuff is closer to them than they think. And, you and know, that, I will, you know, are you going to come out and like give these people hugs right. while they're throwing Molotov cocktails at your house or through your business window? I don't think you are. So, you know what, Liz, that's a good point. And maybe this is the way we can look at things, you know, more optimistically <clears throat> is for a long time, uh, left leaning or increasingly liberals, white liberals in the suburbs, you know, they've left the city. Well, some of them left the city. They've just always been here. I'm in the suburbs, you're in the suburbs. So um, it was easy, right, for them to vote for a Democrat presidential candidate. So they they voted for Barack Obama twice. They voted for Hillary Clinton. In 2018, a lot of them voted for um, Democratic congressmen to flip the House. But that was easy because they really weren't going to pay any price for it, right? Because still locally, at least in the local suburbs, that used to be really red, they, they still elect Republican local uh, elected officials, right? But now that the left has invaded the suburbs, right, and they see what they've done to huge suburb, suburbs like Naperville, my hometown in the western suburbs of Chicago, Black Lives Matter protest resulted in vandalism of stores throughout downtown Naperville. Um, and now they're so what does that mean? Like you're saying. For the first time, this is really in their face. They have elected to empower this left, and they're not protected from it anymore. How will that play out in November? I'm not sure. We could hope it's on our side. Well, I'm hoping, but I I don't know. Um, As you know, our listeners don't know, that my hobby is shooting sporting clays. I'm a shotgunner. And I haven't been able to shoot for a while, even though it's the best weather right now or was in D.C. because of our virus or alleged virus or whatever. So I finally met up with my friends who are not political. They're just regular people. They have regular jobs. We never talk politics. We talk gun people talk about their guns all the time. We talk about ammo. We talk about our guns. We talk about our targets, We talk about missing targets. We don't talk about politics. But I hadn't seen them for a while, and the first time I saw them last weekend, and they were livid. They were, like, woke up, like, literally woke. Mm -hmm. These are people who never mentioned – it's not like they were complaining about the Affordable Care Act, or they're like, I'm really upset about cap and trade. No, these people were not. They're like, I made a glitter coffee mug at the paint paint shop. Like, those are the normal conversations that we have, and they are really angry. So I'm hoping – that maybe people are waking up and it just seems like because the left has such a strong presence on social media, in the media, and certainly in the entertainment field, it feels like this is just totally pervasive. Um, And I think there's a lot of people who feel like they need to say, I'm not a racist, right? That's the position that Black Lives Matter kind of puts you in. Whereas for me, the default is you're not a racist until I hear you say something racist. And then I'm like, okay, you are racist, but I, I, I don't, well, I'm Jewish. I don't think people are anti-Semitic until they would say something. And I'd be like, yeah, that's kind of anti-Semitic. So, but, but that (laughs) script has been flipped. Right. And so now you have to prove that you're innocent 
and mm-hmm. right away and say that. And I think people are like, hey, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. Um, and so I support Black Lives Matter. So I'm not racist. And I don't really understand that it it's really not about being a racist. <laughs> you know, that's just really right. not what this is about at all. Um, and I think most people don't really know that. They don't think that they're like, yeah, I don't think the they say they think I don't think the police should, um, you know, target black men and kill them excessively. They, they they hear that and they say, oh, yeah, no, no, I don't I don't think that should happen. OK, everybody thinks that shouldn't happen. And that's actually not what's happening. <laughs> but all right. So, yeah, I mean, it, it it's I think to a lot of people what you're saying, it's fashion. Right. OK. Yes, so it's like right. it's the old uh, pink pussy hat from 2017. Right. It's the uh, coexist bumper sticker on your car. So the latest is, well, of course. And I, I know women who have done this. They posted stuff on Facebook or they did Blackout Tuesday, donate to George Floyd's legal fund or his daughter, college fund, whatever it was. Or to Benjamin Crump. Or whatever, because that's really what you're donating for. <laughs> we'll explain that a little bit. But, uh, you know, it's like buying the latest handbag. It's like buying the, you know, this is like the hot color for the summer, everybody. You know, get magenta. Post something, you know, cool about George Floyd. It doesn't mean blue. anything. It's cerulean <laughs> blue. But I'm glad you mentioned that, Julie, because I'm on Instagram and I don't, I'm not, political on Instagram. I don't follow any political people at all. I'm, I follow brands. I follow really just subjects I'm interested in, things that are related to my hobbies and interests. And none of the people I follow are normally super political. And I cannot tell you the bullying that I saw on Instagram. And I know a lot of people participated in this because they didn't want to have their business, which is social media based, be ruined by God forbid, like the wrong word, the wrong picture, not enough. I saw a lot of people, you only posted a black square. Why didn't mm-hmm. you say anything else? And, and there's, I think that's bullying to be, you, you know, I think it's bullying. Yeah. And I saw a lot of that and it's um, until people object to it, you know, that's, that's what we're going to get is a lot of, of people. And, and, I saw a lot of influencers and brand, especially niche brands that are more social media based, these sort of newer brands that are from millennials, for millennials, really, that and younger, the ones that are more um, based in Internet culture. And they were apologizing. They're like, we're going to lift up voices of color every day this week. And they'll say, oh, I got emails from people that said, you know, we don't employ enough people of color and we're looking into that. Let me tell you, in two months, there will be no extra people of color working for these companies at all. You know what I mean? Like That's a great point. We should yep. follow this up in two months and see, hey, how, know, many, how many links did you give great these idea. people? How many links did you give these people? How many did you bring on your staff? How many people are you do business with? How many vendors are you doing business with that are minority owned now? I guarantee you, I'm positive it's going to be almost nothing. And that, you know, that's an excellent point because, and this is why, and I, I'm sure there are plenty of black people who know that this is total bullshit, right? They know they're being patronized. 
they're being insulted really in a way. There are plenty of black people who will feel that way. Um, I at least give credit to the guy who was the shareholder, the co-founder of Reddit. I didn't realize that was Serena uh, uh, Williams's husband. Did you know that? I did know no. that, but I forgot. Like I knew it at the time and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then uh, uh, as I forget so many things in my old age, I, but yes, I did know that. But yes, he gave up his, he gave up his, his uh, board seat and said, fill it with a black person. Now, as ludicrous as that might be, especially since you're married to one of the greatest black athletes really of all time. Yep. Um, okay. So that's fine. But at least the guy was like, okay, no, I'm he giving this walk. up. He did. So I would give that I, I don't know his name, Mrs. Will, Mr. Williams, but <laughs> Mr. Serena Williams. I think that's a good, good name to call him. But at least I give that guy credit. All these emails. And I think this is something, Liz, we should follow up with these companies. OK, so we, or whatever. I got this from my local school district. Same thing. I told you this the other day on the phone. Every principal, every assistant principal, every head of every department is white, every single one. And we're not, we're in a relatively diverse uh, school uh, district. OK, I'll follow up in six months. Who who gave up their job and gave it to a, another qualified black person? You know what the answer is going to be. Well, why are these people getting a pass? Here's the here's one theory I have is that a lot of this, a lot of this virtue signaling comes from a place of their own ineptness. Like I've seen governors, mayors, city council members across the, the United States march in these protests and hold up signs. I can't breathe. Black Lives Matter. And it's like you've been in office for decades. What the hell have you done? Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with these brands where they certainly have had an opportunity to hire any person of color at any time before this tragedy happened it's not like it's not like the left has ever been silent about racism you know until now it's like this is all new no no, no it's not new this has always been a thing that leftists and social justice warriors have been been aware of why haven't they done anything same thing with hollywood they come out they shake their fingers they say me too hey guess what it is you it's your community you're mm -hmm. the racists and it's mm -hmm. you're the people that haven't fix this racism in your industry. It's your industry. You control it. So I want to see people like Anderson Cooper give up their job, give mm -hmm. it to a person of color. I want to see Brian Stelter. I want to see any anchor on any of the mainstream media outlets on cable or on network that are making multi-million dollars a year, give up your job. Stop pointing your finger at people like the regular people that don't have control over that anyway, really anyway, they don't, they, you know, they're not in charge of companies that make multi-million dollar employment agreements. So what can, they can't do anything. You show me, you go first, you show me that you mean what you say. How about that? Now Liz, Liz, that was a good rant, but it's a little off base and here's why the entertainment industry, <laughs> <laughs> the entertainment industry is taking steps. They canceled cops. You know, there was, I'm glad you brought that up because earlier today I was looking at an article from, I know, don't judge me, The Guardian, um, which I, I keep they an eye on. They have some good stuff sometimes. Well, more oh, often wow. they don't, but right. this was an article and here's the subject, the title of it. Okay. Cops. 
the violent legacy of a TV show, show that sculpted America's view of police. And then the subhead is the cancellation of the long-running reality show puts an end to, to a problematic ratings hit that was seen by its many critics as unethical and dangerous. So it's a ratings hit. What does that tell you about people <laughs> who attitude towards police? People like to see police arrest the bad guys. They do. And so in addition to cops, what else did they cancel some other stuff too that show cops? Oh, wait. In a positive, we, in, in, trying to get that cartoon canceled too, because that's how stupid they are. Okay, we have to talk. <laughs> so yes, cops. But look, cops are one thing. But I mean, if you watch cops, it's more to see just the degenerate people who live among us and their problem, their troubled lives and just how pathetic there are so many people in this country. Like that's the funny part about it, right? Is this, uh, is watching that. And it, mine was less so the cops than just these people making up stories or getting busted and, you know, beating each other up these families. So that's, that was, I mean, I'm not a big watcher of it. My husband watches cops, but Paw Patrol, (laughs) It's a cartoon, okay? It's a Nickelodeon cartoon meant for like seven-year-olds. But apparently it's so offensive to one of the critics at large at the New York Times. Um, So these are the same folks who couldn't handle Tom Cotton's op-ed about using the military in the cities. Uh, This particular writer um, then expressed her pet peeve, which is Paw Patrol. Yeah, I don't don't know what to say. I mean... (laughs) I think it, yeah, I, I, I almost can't even speak because it's so stupid. Um, I don't know. I never heard of Paw Patrol before yesterday. Um, I don't have kids, so maybe that's why. Maybe people with young children do know Paw Patrol. But it's always been a good idea. At least this is how I was raised, and I'm sure you were raised similarly, where I was taught the police were my friends. And if something bad happens, call the police and, you know, officer friendly and Mm -hmm. all of this. And there's always been a ton of police shows on television. America loves police shows. You have Law and Order. You have NYPD Blue. You have the funny shows like Brooklyn 911 or there's just so many funny shows. uh, Not funny. shows. There's one on Comedy Central that was hilarious and I can't remember the name of it. But there's always oh, been. Oh, um, wait, wasn't it? Was it Vegas, Nevada 911? Or it was. Uh... No, that's Reno 911. But there was oh, one Reno. a long time ago that was about a police force that was so funny. Ace will know what it is. I can't remember. Um, but there's funny shows about the cops. But there's also a lot of cop drama. Hawaii 5 you know, about law enforcement. Um, Homeland is about federal law enforcement. Things like that. And and it's I think it's healthy for us to like law enforcement. We we have safety because there are laws and they need to be upheld. And so getting the bad guy, the guy who like, you know, smacks grandma on the head and takes her groceries and runs off, you know, that's a bad guy or a robber, <laughs> you know, cops and robbers. Right. So mm-hmm. now all of a sudden they don't want people to have that positive image of the police which shows me that this isn't about fixing the police or getting rid of bad cops. It's about 
basically getting rid of the idea of law enforcement in its entirety. I think that's a really important point. I think that that's uh, a key observation there that people are overlooking. And that's what they that's what the left wants. They want people to overlook that. Um, I mean, I'm just going to read really. Do you know, like on cops, I assume that they're doing things like making domestic battery calls where they arrest a wife beater. Like, why is that a bad thing for people to see? That's a good thing for people to see, you know, like you can't get away with beating your wife or your spouse. Like, I don't know. All right. Right. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Go make your point. I'm just ranting. No, and and look, I am a longtime personal cop critic. I've had run-ins with police since I was in high school. (laughs) Uh, Most of my engagements with police have been hostile and not so much because (laughs) of me, but because of them. Um, uh, I know. I know. It's hard to believe, but but look, I mean, when I was 16 years old, cops broke into my empty house in Naperville. It was up for sale. My parents were getting divorced. Anyway, this huge cop, white cop, takes me. I was probably 90 pounds because I was so thin in high school um, and threw me up against the wall, 16 years old. Now gave me a ticket. We go to court and the judge yells at the cop. So that kind of started the whole downhill thing. That's just a little personal anecdote. There are more. But anyway, I do think there are a lot of cops out there who are bullies, but they bully people of all races, right? They do really good things for the most part, but I could see that part of it. But this is far beyond trying to get suburban cops to lose their attitude, right? (laughs) Right. That's not what this is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just want to read from this Paw Patrol. uh, So it's not just Paw Patrol which is a cartoon of dogs who pretend to be police officers. <laughs> All right, oh, real threatening. <laughs> Last week, an executive producer of Monk criticized his own show on Twitter. If you, as I have, worked on a TV show or movie in which police are portrayed as lovable goofballs, you have contributed to the larger acceptance that cops are implicitly the good guys. Griffin Newman, an actor who appeared in two episodes of Blue Bloods as a detective, donated his $11,000 in earnings to a bail fund inspiring other actors who have played cops to do the same. Lego has halted its marketing on Lego City Police Station and Police Highway Arrest. A&E has pulled its reality show Live PD from the schedule. And, of course, Tuesday Cops was banned, canceled after 32 seasons. Yeah, first of all. I love Monk. Monk is a great <laughs> is a great show. It was is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, also, Psych, which is also USA, is about police, and it's kind of funny. And it <clears throat> shows like Monk, which is a kind of a comedy, it has a is a strong comedy. It that it almost humanizes the police. It doesn't it it doesn't show them you know going around just beating up random people, but. Also, let us not forget, there are tons of movies about corrupt law enforcement officials, too. The Serpico, what about the commish? Wasn't that about a dirty co- police commissioner? The Wire? Oh, There's yeah. Right. Oh, The Wire. Right. shows about how, about corrupt cops. It's not like everyone's just getting a, a, a vision of police, you know, farting rainbows and potpourri. No. There's plenty of of shows and movies that show police being corrupt on the take. That's right. Um, right. Every 
I can't tell you a lot of my favorite shows. Person of Interest is a great show. There's police there. Taraji P. Henson was on there for a while um, of fame of uh, what's it called? Empire fame. She was on there. She was a cop and there was bad cops. It was part of the plot, right? She was a good cop, but there were bad cops. So this idea that the only image of cops that's out there are positive ones is false. But what we're seeing now is that they want the only image of cops out there to be negative. By removing mm-hmm. even the pause, they don't want an even portrayal, which is some cops are good, some cops are bad. They want an only negative portrayal of police officers. That's their goal. And let's, uh, before we get to something else, which I'm sure there is something else, <laughs> the coronavirus I heard is still out there. Never Dr. heard of Fauci it. That's what she says. <laughs> Never heard of it. Um, these are the same people, and I'll have an article up on this uh, t- on Friday. The same people, the Democrats, never Trump in the media who have defended and justified the abuses by the dirtiest cops in American history, starting with Jim Comey and all of his underlings. The greatest abuse of federal law enforcement power, including secret courts, spies, warrants, um, special investigations and biased investigations. Human, right? so human you, assets human assets, like spies, like, exactly. I mean, the whole gamut, the whole collection of law enforcement tools that are designed to target international terrorists used against campaign volunteers in a biased investigation, uh, harassment, destruction of Trump, his family, his associates, and his administration. These are the same people defending the top cops in the country who are corrupt liars, abuse their power, targeted innocent people, and they have not, not only not said a word, they have defended it for three years. Well, so they didn't have a problem with to, it. Yes. So nope. I, uh, Julie, yeah. I could not agree with you. You are 100% right. When I see all this stuff about bad cops and everybody clutching their pearls and I'm thinking, oh, now you care about the abuse of law enforcement? Right. For three years we've been talking about the abuse of law enforcement with the most sophisticated, powerful tools that the United States has. And these people called it a conspiracy theory. But now it's a different story. It's quite – don't even – yeah, I'm going to blow a gasket. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) mad. pisses me off. Yeah. Yep. So um, at any rate, where uh, are we back to coronavirus? What happened? It oh was solved. And then now it, it's a surge. It's a second wave. It's uh, going to take out more people, apparently, right before the election. Well, so we have well, to do absentee right. voting. What, yeah. what we're seeing here is just a highly predictable development, which is right. we had a pause for about 10 days. On the virus, we're talking about how um, the holiday weekend was going to bring increased cases of the virus. We didn't talk about that. And now that the only social event people are allowed to participate in, which are these protests and riots, have died down a little bit. Now we need to make sure people don't think that they can do things like go to church and open up their businesses. And now all of a sudden it's a threat. And I think most people are just like, get the fuck out of here with this shit. No, I don't, I don't think it's going to work this time. Honestly, I, I just, it, it, it was, it's too ridiculous 
that we had scientists coming out, not just those idiots on cable news and political agitators, but literally scientists coming out saying, well, the virus is dangerous, but racism is more dangerous. So we can just forget all those rules we gave you that ruined your life for three months. Yeah, I don't think it's going to fly again. Well, and, um, you know, this week alone, we've had more pivoting. So we had the World Health Organization, which has completely botched, deceived, done everything wrong with this pandemic from the start, including calling it a pandemic. Can we just say that? I'm not really sure that this qualifies as a pandemic, but we'll play along. So um, one of their top officials came out and said, truthfully, that there it's very rare, at least the evidence so far, it's very rare that there's asymptomatic spread of uh, COVID-19, which makes perfect sense unless you believe, as we've talked about, these um, drone droplets that will shoot out of your mouth when you're speaking, even though you have no symptoms, and fly up into the nose of somebody who is a few feet away from you and somehow infect them with coronavirus. Well, how do so you even she get said it? that. If you have no symptoms, how do you, what is it, how, how are you get? What, you're not sneezing or coughing, so I guess just speaking you know what? I, it's I don't know. Just something to think breathing. about. How do you get it? Anyway, go ahead. Um, so she came out and said this. Well, of course, the idea, the myth of asymptomatic spread is central to the demand, the order for people to wear face coverings, healthy people to wear face coverings, because the idea is that you will go somewhere you're healthy, yet you have the virus, yet the virus escapes your mouth by your breathing through. So we've gone through the absurdity of that. So who then had a rushed press conference with the same official? She came out and said, well, most of the data shows this, but there are also models um, that are untested that show that it could be 40% of the spread is asymptomatic. So it basically went from zero to 40%. Um, that was one major change that just this week alone, Scott Gottlieb, I have to bring him up every podcast because oh, I know you love come him. On. Why? I know you love him. It, it's Why? just like, it's just like the kind of like waking up my kids too early just to aggravate them. I do that <laughs> to you. So it's motherly love. Take it that way. Um, Scott Gottlieb, who as late as, April was telling, you know, his hourly reporter who interviews him that he was going to take the temperatures of his own children to make sure that they were healthy before he let them see his older parents. Now, this week, Gottlieb came out with a study, and we've seen this actually data early on, that up to 70% of COVID-19 patients do not have a fever. This as restaurants and stores and companies are preparing to temperature test their employees and their customers uh, to make sure that they are not sick. So two major pivots this week alone. Well, also, aren't I, I've been hearing stories about these temperature drones, right, that are going to just be like lurking in the atmosphere, <laughs> taking everyone's temperature. No, but right. Have you heard that? There have been stories about that where these drones will be just flying around taking everyone's temperature, kind of like the Terminator, right? I'm imagining like that Terminator when he looks at stuff where it's like, well, oh, right. Digital stuff like, oh, there's somebody 99, you know, temperature, and they're going to be taking people's temperature. But I guess it doesn't matter. Look, this, these people are canceled. Okay. The scientists have no credibility anymore. Instead of admitting that 
because this is a new virus and we're not entirely certain about a lot of things and prescribing just basic common sense restrictions that we use or guidelines that we use to protect ourselves against other virus, like wash your hands, stay home if you're sick. If somebody's sick, don't hang around them. Just common sense things. We've been getting just a buttload of restrictions and rules and you can, you have to be six feet away. Tables can't be near each other and, even in here in Virginia, you can't eat indoors. So now all these parking lots, not that we have a lot of parking here where I live anyway, um, you know, they're now, they're tables for people to eat outside. And it's like, that's a, right. literally, it's not just a metaphorical swamp here. It's literally a swamp in DC. I'm not going to go outside and eat. It, it's uncomfortable. It's so humid. Uh, but Yes, we've all overhauled our lives. We've overhauled the way we do things. Everything's covered in plexiglass. And, you know, people at the grocery store checkers have like helmets on and gloves and all this stuff. And every two days we get a we get a, a new thing. Meanwhile, the rioting was fine. And Dr. Burks apparently told the task force that 70 testing centers had been shut down mm-hmm. because of the protests and the riots. And it's like, well, obviously it's not that much of a danger if you're going to allow this. And they say, well, it's first amendment. You know, we can't stop first amendment. Really? Well, it's first amendment when you people were flipping out when a bunch of people went to the Michigan state house to complain about, about their businesses being shut down and it wasn't right. allowed Remember, they had that everyone's going to die, right? We heard that, oh, they're all infected. These people are going to die. There's going to be surge. Hospitals are going to be overloaded now because of these irresponsible people. And the next thing you know, something literally 1,000 times the size (laughs) happened all over. (laughs) And we not hear a freaking peep about it. And it was funny. uh, Even I think it was at the beginning of this week when some of the White House uh, press corps were upset that they had been seated closer together than normal. And right. a lot of them went to Twitter to say that Trump was going to kill them, you know, because they were going to be not six feet away from someone in maybe they were three feet away instead. But did you hear any of these same people talking about how dangerous it is for all of the protesters who were smooshed in together? They weren't <laughs> six feet apart, right? You saw pictures. These people were all smooshed in together. So, you know, Liz, I don't know. Why, why are you so racist? Don't you well, understand the difference? That. Also, I hate grandma. (laughs) I hate grandma, but also if she doesn't donate to Black Lives Matter, I'm cutting her off. (laughs) I'm going to tell her, why do you, I'm going to scream at grandma who we just saved from coronavirus. Yeah. I'm going to call her a racist because she watches Tucker Carlson. I mean, someone needs to say, well, why wouldn't I kill my grandmother? You know what I mean? If I'm willing to cut her off because if she won't donate to Black Lives Matter, why should I wear a mask around her? Someone smart should say that (laughs) because that's basically what they're saying. Um, let's grandpa. give a quick let's let's give a quick shout out to Tucker Carlson, who um, has been on fire. And Great. thank God we have him because the list of people in conservative media or conservatives at all willing to speak the truth um, is just getting smaller and smaller as they get intimidated and cow cower in the corner. But he has been like I'm like worrisome out there. Right. Because he is completely unfiltered, um, both it has unleashes his verbal barrel on both sides, Republicans and Democrats. And uh, I mean, he has really had 
so many must watch monologues, but especially the past few weeks, I think. Yeah. The, the best part about Tucker and that you w- don't see from other um, even really big pro Trumper Trumpy um, media figures is that Tucker goes after the right, just like the left and the right is to blame more, you know, the right is to blame more and Tucker calls it, calls them out on it. It's just really refreshing. Thank God for, I think he's been doing a great job. He really, he really nails it. You know, he really nails the absolute failure of the Republican party to stand up, to stand up for anything. And, and it just shows me that a lot of people still don't understand why Trump got elected. And it was precisely because Trump will, doesn't suffer this foolishness and calls people out on it. And people like that because they've been bullied, bullied for too long. So good for Tucker. I agree with you. And thanks for giving him a shout out. Yeah, he, he definitely deserves it. I mean, I'm not like a must watch TV person, you know, I may be making dinner definitely having wine something but um you know in this time i think when people like us feel so isolated and uh you know that how are there people listening do people care are they just everybody folding he's just really um it's great to have him out there it it definitely is and i wonder how long they'll keep him on fox well, you know, the, they were out for him, the Never Trump right and the left were out after him again this week, calling him a racist, misinterpreting, doctoring a video of one of his monologues. Um, so you had people, okay, so you had people on the left and Never Trump right doctoring one of his monologues, claiming that he was saying black people were going to go out and attack, you know, people like us. He was really referring to the general leftist mob in Antifa, but they doctored up, changed up what he said. And, you know, they're going after his sponsors again, which they've already done. And you had his former boss, one-time mentor, Bill Crystal, all over Twitter, Ugh. blasting Twitter. Uh, Tucker is a racist, which he's already done. But the guy takes so much incoming fire. Um, but he's he's not he's not taking a knee. Well, good. And you know the fact that they're calling Tucker racist. It's like, is that even does that even have any effect anymore? Since people, the left has been calling people on the right racist for like thirty years. Mm-hmm. Right. It, and I mean, I think maybe this is why we have to they have to start setting things on fire. You know, because calling someone a racist is just like, yeah, whatever it, it, it's, you know, because when you're trying to take off a cartoon with dog cops, you know, it's like, are you ser- are you a serious person? You know, are are your are your complaints serious? I don't know. I would say they're not serious, but, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I'm not I'm not looking to censor cartoons either. So maybe I just don't get it. Well, then know. you are do not have a job at the New York Times waiting for you. Well, apparently, you know, didn't they just lost their opinion editor for soliciting an op-ed from Tom Cotton and then running the op-ed that upset the snowflakes there. And then they fired the opinion editor mm-hmm. for I don't even know what what to say about that. I, I part of me doesn't care because it can just burn down the New York times. I don't, I don't care, but you know, I, I also firmly believe that these people do need to live by their own rules. So 
he didn't follow the rules of the social, the snowflakes in the newsroom and the opinion or whatever, whoever works in that building, then, you know, he needs to be fired. Those are the rules. You're, you were part of it for other people. So now it's your turn. That's right. That's right. That's what they have to do. Just, well, I can't think of anything really happy to end. We don't have anything happy. On. Maybe. Well, I, yeah, here's something happy. Maybe next week when we do our show, we'll still have that free community of Seattle or whatever that it'll still <laughs> yeah, be there. Zone. You know what I mean? Like maybe I, I want it to still be there. The free, what is it? Seattle Chaz something autonomous zone or Auto- something. Autonomous zone. Right. Yeah. Isn't that, is that just, but you know, the cool part and this kind of like, I thought this might, I could be down with this is they have a warlord like who's in charge of the autonomous zone and he is he's in charge of the whole little carved out area. I also feel like that is not consistent because (laughs) we also have a warlord, according to them, and his name is Donald Trump. So why is Donald Trump a bad warlord? But whoever what's this guy's name again? Oh, my God. I just saw it. Okay, see, we did find something to laugh about. No, what, what is the warlord's name? You know it. I because you said it to me wait, before the show. I can't remember his is name. It, is it Reeky? Wait, I'm trying. Wait, <laughs> Chaz. No, it is. It's Chaz. No, okay, Chaz if you're, is the name. No, Chaz is the name no. of the of the the. Oh, that's the, right. It the is the new okay. city. It's some other okay, name, but it's I'm like sorry. three letters or something. It's like three letters. It's not it's not Mike Mika like Mika. (laughs) No, hold on. What is this? Rad. (laughs) Rad. That's it. It's rad. So why is rad allowed to be the warlord of Chaz? But Donald Trump can't be the warlord of the United States. I don't understand. Wait, his whole name is his whole name is Rad Simone. That can't be real. Rad Simone. I, you know what? A lot of these people just have issues before this started, uh, and I just, I feel like this is an opportunity to put them on display at, for a larger audience. Um, but maybe it'll I still be there. Hilarious. I want them to, st- I want it to stay. I don't want Trump to do anything. I think Trump should let it stay and it should grow. I want it to grow. I totally agree. I, I think it's fine. I mean, I don't care what happens in Seattle. I don't really care what happens in all of these major cities, but that is, this is going to be funny to watch and just wait till something happens. They have to call the cops. Like, well, they try to call the cops. Didn't you hear that, that radio recording? No, have you, there's a, Oh my God. There's, oh, what, ran out of food. A police. <laughs> no, this is the best. I'll, I'll send you the tweet. So it's a police recording of the police and, and, it starts right after someone's called and said there's an incident at, and the cop goes, oh, that's in the whatever autonomous zone. They can handle it themselves. Click. <laughs> like, that's the, that's the video audio. It's just like, I want uh, it to grow. I, fe- I think everyone in Seattle, you know what I mean? Like, go big or go home. It's only six <laughs> blocks. Next week, I want 12 blocks. I want 12 blocks. Let's go. Get bigger. Get because they've taken over City Hall for crying out loud. God, Seriously. Go, Godspeed, Chaz. <laughs> I'm rooting for you. I am rooting for you. I don't know. Go all the way to the Pacific, please. Yes. So that's our show. And we will be back 
next week to talk about Chaz. Maybe. We well, might be. We might know at this rate. We don't know. Either the virus will get us or the rioting. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but we'll be back. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to our show. And we'll see you next Friday. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.